so just a word about what this is. Um, some of you, this is the first. This is uh, this is the first time that we're able to get together out here, and feel free to get up in the middle if this is not what you thought you were getting yourself into. It happens to be that this is the one shear of the week. All the Gemara shirim, all the Chumash shirim, all the different basking in the resplendent light of the Torah that happens during the week is all planned. Meaning there's a certain level of, uh, of hachana that goes into it, preparing source sheets, and perhaps looking over those source sheets before you deliver them so that they come out in the proper way. The Rambam writes that a person should not give a class, a Torah class, unless they review the subject that they're planning on teaching four times. After you've reviewed the subject four times and you've gone over the Marmakomos four times, so then it's appropriate to give a class. There are exceptions to the rule. Of course, there are exceptions to the rule. And one of the exceptions to the rule is this weekly gathering. It's a gathering that is not prepared. It is a gathering that is beshita not prepared. Uh, <laughs> it is a gathering where the Nagunim aren't prepared and the Torah is not prepared. Um, the only preparation... The guitar that, wasn't prepared either. The guitar might not be prepared. The only thing that we are... Thank you. The only thing that we are preparing is um, the whole week through learning Torah. We're trying to prepare our hearts to be able to access Divrei Elokim Chaim, words of the living God. It means that it used to be the practice of many great sages to, uh, which I'm not one of them, but I aspire to be one, to have a student come and to open up a chumash to open up a chumash and to, to point to a pasuk and to just say what resonates with you and let the words be alive in accordance with what the Torah itself says that we should treat the Torah as if it was given to us today Atem nitzavim hayom kulchem. so maybe we're sitting but Atem nitzavim hayom kulchem. we're all sitting here today and we're trying to receive the Torah in a way as if Hashem is giving to us now now who has permission to darshan the Torah? How do you know that it's permissible to, to just say what your heart feels? Does one need permission for such a thing? So I already mentioned to you that this is a practice of many who came before us. And in addition to that, one of the Rishonim, the Orachayim HaKadosh, writes in the Hakdama to the Sefer, Orachayim HaKadosh, he writes that once a person has spent some time, they don't have to be a master of Kola Torah Kula, they need not know every single aspect of halacha and agarata, every pasuk backwards and forwards. But a person who feels that they have a good grasp of what it is that the Torah is asking has permission to darshan the psukim, has permission to look at the psukim and see what they think the psukim are saying. And it's highly possible and often is the case that uh, we see things in the Torah that have never been said before that a person is able to look into the Torah and like we say every single day, we daven several times before that Hashem should give us our chilek in Torah. That Hashem should give us our unique chilek in Torah, a chilek in Torah that none of the sages, none of the tzaddikim who came before us were able to have access to, a 
chilek in Torah that our descendants will have access to their own Torahs, not our Torahs. That every person has a unique chilek in Torah. And I always daven before. This time I'll say it out loud, but I always daven before. And I was davening before, and we were all sitting out here. That Hashem should help me, Hashem should help us. That the words that are chosen should be chosen correctly. And that everyone should hear exactly what they need to hear. And the nagunim that are chosen should be felt exactly as they need to be felt. And that everyone should take from the words of Torah what it is that that Hashem has to offer in this moment. Parshat Hetzavim, Tavshin, Pei Aleph. And that's the goal. That's the goal. Kimitzion Teitzei Torah, that's like most of the week. From Tzion Teitzei Torah, Dvar Hashem in Yerushalayim. Dvar Hashem is Tari. Dvar Hashem is fresh. Fresh picked off the off the tree. So Hashem should help us that we should pick and we should choose from the tree of life, not from the tree of knowledge, that the teachings that we share should be illuminating to our lives and they should help us to be better over the Hashem, better children, better parents, one day, or if that's Shaykh too already, better spouses, better friends. Amen.
How deeply do we want to understand the Torah that Parshas Nitzavim is, on the one hand, it's the shortest of the parshiyos on a certain level. It's getting there. Nitzavim is only 40 psukim long. Kamuvan, Elul is 40 days long. And there are sometimes things that are, that are large in quantity but are small in quality. Of course, the Torah, even when it is even when it is large in quantity, it is also large in quality. But sometimes there is a glimpse at something which on the surface looks so small. Kodesh HaKadoshim, for example, is so small that it doesn't even contain everything that's supposed to fit inside of it. The Aron is Einam in Amida. If you do the calculations based on the Gemaras, the size of the Aron, as is described in Meseches Midos and other Meseches, doesn't seem to fit in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Because sometimes you could have something which is very small, but it could be machzik as it, it somehow is able to hold so much. In fact, one of the reasons that we're so focused on Rosh Tevos during this Tkufa is to prepare us for Rosh Hashanah. The Zohar Kaddish says, Atem Nitzavim, Hayom Kulchem, in Hayom El Rosh Hashanah. Hayom is always a code word for Rosh Hashanah. One of the reasons why we're always looking for Rosh Tevos for Elul is that we're trying to prepare ourselves with this way of looking at the world that this one little letter at the beginning of the word, the Aleph of Ani and the Lamed of Lidodi and the Vav of Vidodi and the Lamed of Li, all of those one little letters, somehow that little bit contains the whole, the whole word. There's the possibility of this tiny little bit that is somehow containing the entirety of the essence of the thing. And so the Jewish people have this custom of looking for Rosh Tevos because we're trying to train ourselves. Now, why are we trying to train ourselves? Such a funny exercise. And the answer is because Rosh Hashanah is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the year. It's the Rosh. And in the same way that the head, which is on the surface, a very small part of the body compared to, let's say, the torso, some of the other parts of the body, but the head, if the head is damaged, God forbid, then the entire body can be somehow damaged. It's possible to affect every single part of the body by affecting that small part that's called the brain, it's called the Rosh. And so as we're preparing for Rosh Hashanah, as we're entering into the space where we're saying that on this one day, Hashem is somehow 
deciding how things are going to go and what things are and how do we relate to this Indian of Rosh. So in preparation for that for a whole month, for this small parsha of Nitzavim, 40 psukim, 40 days, for these 40 days we're looking over and over again to try to find Rosh Tevos. We're trying to find the Nakuda of Rosh. We're trying to find the Nakuda of Rosh. However, in the beginning of the parsha, we also see that Rosh is also a Chashuv thing, but so are Shivteichem, Zeknechem, Shotrechem, Kol Ish Yisrael. That there is this paradoxical feeling we have as we enter into Rosh Hashanah, where every single Jew passes before Hashem, Kibbenei Maron, like, like an individual sheep passing by the file to be counted by the shepherd and to be checked to make sure that there's nothing wrong with the sheep, and if there is, to nurse it back to health. The goal is not to look and to see the blemishes so that it can then further blemish its own sheep, the shepherd's own sheep. The, the goal is to be able to give a prescription so that the sheep could follow for the next 10 days and heal itself on its way to Yom Kippur. And so as we're going through this process of looking and paying attention to the Rosh, there's the possibility that we might make the mistake of thinking that just like there's a Rosh in the head and that that Rosh is the only thing that matters. On a certain level, the Rosh controls everything else. Chas don't think that. Because the brain, the mind, the ability to think, to be able to operate in the world, is certainly something which is controlled by the brain, but without the limbs to be able to carry that out, there would be something fundamentally missing. And in the same way, the Jewish people. As we move closer and closer to the end of time, as we move closer and closer to the time of Mashiach, remember what it says, everybody remembers what it says at the beginning of the Torah, Let the waters all come to one place. Let the waters all gather into one place. All the water, the whole world was filled with water. And Hashem decided that He's going to gather the waters to specific areas. The Zohar Kaddish says that when the waters are, are, are being carried to specific areas, that means, in my Torah, that means that the Torah and Avodah Hashem, anybody who's thirsty to go to Torah and to go to Avodah, anybody who is on that journey towards Torah, it used to be, at the beginning of time, that the whole world was just everywhere you turn, there was Hashem everywhere. And now, and now, as we're moving towards the time when Hashem is beginning to create the world, what does He do? He takes the water and He puts it in specific areas which is the way things have been for most, for most of the time that human beings have been roaming the earth. For most of the time, that's the way it's been. However, we do have a promise, and that is where we're oriented towards. We're oriented towards a place where that in the end of days, the whole world is going to be filled with water, the whole world is going to be filled with water. What's going on right now by some of our families in New York, New Jersey, in Connecticut, in other places, what's going on in the eastern seaboard of the United States, there's water that's coming everywhere. And everyone should be safe, and there should be no damage. No damage, everyone should be safe. But at the same time, at the same time, with the sounds of water dripping in the background, 
and with the sounds of water dripping way in the background in our families, we can comfort ourselves. We don't know. We're not foolish enough to say that we know why or how or what could be done about such a thing. But we can say that it, we have permission to be stirred to daven at, at the very least. To say, not this kind of water. This is not what we wanted. We weren't looking for water to flood people's basements, although some chavar are very excited that they're close to having a kosher mikvah in their basement. Other chavar are not so excited about that. Understandably so. And as the water is coming back, what that means on a psycho-spiritual level, what that means for us, is that in the beginning of time, there was water everywhere. And then it collected around certain personalities. The tzaddikim of yesteryear were individual tzaddikim that everybody had to flow to and to be able to tap into those tzaddikim. And the nature of the tzaddikim of our door, without naming names, the nature of the tzaddikim of our door are the tzaddikim who are making other tzaddikim, who are sharing the water, who are spilling the water back out. It's not ikavu hamayim al-makom echad, but the water is going everywhere. The water is being offered to everybody and to anybody. Like the Friyadik Rebbe once said, that he heard from his father, and this goes back, that we're waiting for the day when two yeshiva bachrim, who barely know anything, anything, are talking about yichud tata and yichud ilah, just walking down the street. Days are here. Because this is what's happening in the world. People who, Rav Kook said this uh, out loud, Rav Kook said that part of the chutzpah of our generation, I include myself in that, part of the chutzpah of our generation is that uh, a lot of you, and my, myself included, we don't know how to, relatively speaking, compared to the other generations, we don't even know how to spell the name Moshe Rabbeinu. We don't know a single Masechta of Mishnayis. Forget Gemara, Mishnayis, like we need to. Like when somebody once came to the Vilna Gon, they said, I'm ready for my test of Masechta Sukkah. And the Vilna Gon started saying, how many machlops in between Abai and Rav are in the whole Masechta? How many times, how many types of Sukkahs are there in the whole Masechta? That's how well you should know it. Better than you know Ashrei. So we don't even know one Masechta properly. And yet, we're all demanding to know the deepest secrets of the Torah. We're all demanding to know, don't give me the details of the Torah, give me, that's the chutzpah yaskia that the Gemara and Sota talks about at the end of days. And if Kuk saw, as he did in everything, or in that, he saw light in that. Because he saw that the Yikavu HaMayim El-Makom Echad, the Yikavu HaMayim El-Makom Echad is being spilled all over the place. Atem nitzavim hayom kulchem lefnei Hashem elokeichem rosheichem, as the earlier generations, shifteichem, spreading out more. Until we get to those who are the Shoiv Meimecha. To those who are the, that's the last category that we have, the Shoiv Meimecha, those who are water drawers, those ones who are carrying the water, the water schleppers of the world. And even though you think that that's the lowest one, but that's the whole Tachlis Abriah. Sof Maisav Machshavatchila, it's the end because that's the Machshavatchila, that was the first thought. When Hashem created the world, the world was inundated with water. And that was the goal in the end also, not inundated with water where a human being can't survive. But after having revealed the proper kalim, the proper, the proper vessels to be able to receive that water, we can now have the shoiv meimecha to come to bring it to the whole world. We're not being washed away by the water. We're standing in the water. We can't stand, right? What do we, what do we say? In the morning brachos, we say that Hashem is rokoha aretz al hamayim. Because if not for that, we wouldn't be able to stand. The earth, we, there's no way to stand. Is the possibility of a human being to be able to stand because in the water you can't stand. You can't stand if it's very deep. And even if it's shallow, you're constantly, if you're in an ocean, you're constantly getting pushed over this way and that way. 
אתם ניצבים היום כולכם till the show of me mecha to be able to stand in the water to be able to have experienced all of the exile which is alluded to in the very beginning the tahom and the all the different things that are there that the ruach elokim rachafes that's the neshama of mashiach tzedkenu is is merachafes al pnei amayim so to be able to stand in the water means that we have to now begin to operate on a level where we're holding each other up, where we're transitioning now from a, a way, and I speak of this all the time, we're transitioning now from a way, and it comes this way, not this way. Comes this, comes, comes this, comes this way, not, comes this way, not this way. In other words, the tzaddikim of the generation are insisting with every fiber of their being, we are just friends. We are just friends. We are just friends. We are just friends. I'm not your teacher. I'm not your Rebbe. There's nothing special about me. Like uh, I once read in the book Smarkhand, which is at the underground, uh, the underground scene in Russia during the Stalinist uh, communist era. There was a certain Mashpia who somebody said, you know, stood up when he walked in the room because he was older. And he said, you stand up for me because I'm older. Joe, you're going to love this. He said, you stand up for me because I'm older. All the fact that I'm older means is that I ate more chicken than you in this world so far. That's the only thing it means. That's all it means, that I ate more chicken than you. So I'm older than you. I've been learning for a few more years. From the top down, our teachers are insisting chaverim, 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 chaverim. However, and this is something which is tricky. Um, it's tricky, but I could speak about it from my own perspective. That as much as my teachers are insisting to me, we're just friends, we're just friends, we're just friends. Until the final rectification, until that final Kiddush Levano and the sun and the moon hold hands and are able to dance together as equals, it's very important for, this, for the moon to continue to receive light from the sun. And to not think that it can do it on its own. Part of what we're seeing here now is the passing from Moshe to Yoshua. This is already an allusion to what happens when Moshe and Yoshua are passing the, the gauntlet, so to speak. Is that Yoshua is entering into Eretz Yisrael. And in Eretz Yisrael, like many of the tzaddikim point out, there's a fundamental shift from what happened in the Midbar. In the Midbar, in the Midbar they kept on messing up. If you ever studied Sefer Yoshua, you'll see that throughout all of Sefer Yoshua, Yoshua and the Jewish people are like, they're good. They're good. At the end, he has to warn them about going back to Avodah Zarah, but for all the years of Yoshua's leadership, it's nothing. It's because Yoshua is the moon. Yoshua is the moon and Moshe is the sun, the Gemara says. Pnei Moshe, Pnei Achama, Pnei Yoshua, Pnei Levana. The reason that, Moshe, that, that Yoshua's name is Yoshua bin Nun is from a Lashon of Bin. He's not Ben Nun like everybody else. He's Bin Nun from a Lashon of Bina which is associated with the moon. Bin Nun, Nun is 50, is Bina. That's, that's the whole Indian of the moon, as opposed to the sun, which is the Indian of Chachma. So the two of them are supposed to be working in this way. And what happens, just very Pasha, what happens when the sun is out? There's no stars out. I mean, they're there, but they're not there. It's because the water, or the fire in this case, is all in one place. It's all in one place. In Rabbi Nachman's story of the lost princess, until he finds the princess himself, he goes to these three giants, and the giants are holding trees, trees that they chop down, from the wood choppers to the water schleppers. The wood choppers are those tzaddikim, the tall giants who are holding these trees. They're fantastical stories, Rabbi Nachman's stories. He's trying to find this uh, princess, for those who are not familiar with the story, who disappeared and ended up being taken away by some evil king in this palace. And he knows for sure that she exists, and he keeps running into these big giants who are brothers. And each of them, for apparently no reason, is holding a tree. He's holding a tree. 
Because the Indian of these giants is that so long as the giants are the ones that he's turning to, like all the stories of the tzaddikim, find the story by so many different tzaddikim that a couple comes to the tzaddik and says, we need a child. And he says, you need a child? Okay, uh, 5,000 rubles. 5,000 rubles, we're a poor family. We can't, uh, can't barely afford bread. 5,000 rubles. Yeah, right, 5,000 rubles. Less than 5,000 rubles, that's it. Three days, that's all you have. After three days, we're done. Three days elapsed, they come back, they say, listen, we, we got, we, I don't know how we did it, but we got 4,000 rubles. We don't have 5,000. So tzaddik says, you want me to say a name of somebody so you, you can attach it to a certain tzaddik? So the tzaddik says, the tzaddik Yisod Olam says to this couple, listen, I'm sorry, I said 5,000, 5,000, three days elapsed, I don't want to see you anymore. And the couple says, you think we need you? We don't need you, we'll just go daven Tashem. He said, ah, okay, good, good. Because as long as this friend of the king is trying to schlep around with, you know, with these tzaddikim and trying to get them to do it for him, where is the princess? Until finally he goes and does it himself. When the sun sets, when the sun sets, and now there's the moon, the moon is this Mishnah Lamelech, the second to the king. The Mishnah Lamelech, that's what the sun is called. The, that's what the, uh, the moon is called. The moon said to, to the Rabboni Shalom, can you have two kings who are with Keser Echad, with one crown? Hashem said, go make yourself small. Which means it's the Mishnah Lamelech. So the Mishnah Lamelech is the moon, and once the moon decides it's going to go do it himself, so then he figures out how to go get the princess, and all of a sudden the stars are able to come out. Because in this final piece of the story, when we find out how all of us, nationally, cosmically, individually, how each of us redeems the princess, each of us has the need to be able to be, to be moons, to be Talmidim. As much as the tzaddikim are insisting, as much as the tzaddikim are insisting that everybody's equal, and they're right, and they're birthing that. They're birthing that or we're birthing that. We're gestating that idea. They're sending it into me, and I see it also in my own teachers. I see how slowly, and it's good, there's this dance of the chutzpah yaska. I see that the people from my generation are more hanging on to this Indian. When my rabbi says we're friends, so when my rabbi says we're, we're friends, I say, no, rabbi, we're not, we're not friends. I mean, I'm, I'm so touched that you feel that way, but and this generation already not so uncommon to see an arm around the shoulder and these types of things and that's maybe a healthy thing maybe that's that's actually believing this in you so atem mitzavim hayom kulcham we're standing as the waters are beginning to pour back into their proper place it's not in makom echad and yet we're not being pushed over by it Rashem should help us that we shouldn't be pushed over by it we should be blessed not to be pushed over by the raging waters because you know how hard it is to not be pushed over by these waters to have a desire for freedom to be able to do whatever you want to not have to take orders from above because someone says to you I'm your friend which means if I'm your friend then you can't tell me what to do and I can do whatever I want and there's such a taiva for that I want to do whatever I want parents and children teachers and students how many times in my life have people asked me as if I have anything to say in Eitzah about, uh, about this or about that and I tell them exactly what I think and they just, nope, they just go do whatever they want to do because they're not accepting the fact that there's a, such a thing as somebody who can, you tell me what to do I have, it's just me and Hashem His this to be alone with Hashem, to pour out my heart in front of Hashem and to begin once again to trust my instinct a little bit more but to do it in a way where we're standing we're not being pushed over by the raging floodwaters from those who are the choppers of the wood, the tzaddikim, who are holding the wood on their shoulders, all the way down to the shoi of to those who are insisting that the water, it's time to draw the water back from its one places and to bring it to everybody. So the Meshiloach was called the Meshiloach also. He was schlepping water to the whole world in this family. And that's an appropriate place to end. Hashem should help us.
Uh, we're talking about Hayom, we're talking about today, so I'm going to play a niggin. Ah. I'm playing niggin. It's all about. A lot of people are worried that if they start serving Hashem, Atem Nitzavim Hayom, Kulchem, especially the way that Tzadikim explain Kulchem, what's Kulchem? Kulchem means all of, not all of you, but all of you. You know, all of you. Every part of you. Every part of you. You know how intense it is to be passed through an MRI machine when you're getting chemotherapy and they're checking to see if the lymph nodes indeed shrunk? Every part of you. One lymph node is out of whack and it's not, it's not good. So, we're trying to bring our entire selves to Hashem. Our entire, entire selves to Hashem. And that is very, very difficult. That's very frustrating. And one of the etzos that we have of how to do that is to not pay any attention to tomorrow, not to pay any attention to next year, not to be worried about what's going to be next year, what am I doing next year, who am I, who am I with next year, who am I with tomorrow? Can you handle having a not such a good chavrusa for one day of chavrusa? I think so, probably. It's because you think, I'm going to have to learn with this guy the whole year. It's goofing around the whole year. But if I was able to do this one day, I'm not saying that there's not a place to, to switch chavrusa sometimes. I don't know why I said that. Because I dive in that somebody needs to hear that. So it, it's one thing to say, you know, I'll, I'll learn with this guy for one day. It's another thing to say, I'm going to do this for the whole year. It's one thing to say, as I'm, as I'm you know, talking on the phone to a, a good friend from a different yeshiva and I want to complain about my roommate and say it by name, and violate the Isurim of Lashon Hara, but I'm not going to be able to say anything the whole year, or my whole life, Chavetz Chaim didn't speak Lashon Hara for 60 years straight. I have to do that? Just Hayom. That's the only thing you have to do. So I'd like to share this nigun with you. Some of you know it. Some of you don't know it. If you can hear, it's a little... Amarti Machorat Chil Hayomim <laughs> 
היום הם בקולו תשמעו היום הם בקולו אמרתי מחור אגמר את למד לא לכעוס לב טהור ברא לי ולב טהור צריך לחזור למה לדחוף למחר אפשר להתחיל מאוד היום היום הם בקולו תשמעו היום הם בקולו תשמעו היום הם בקולו Oh, oh, oh. 
It takes a lot of strength to believe in tshuva. It takes a lot of emunah to believe in tshuva. When Am Yisrael came out of Mitzrayim, the Gemara describes them as mikatne emunah. They were small of faith. They were little of faith. They didn't believe something. Or they didn't believe a lot of something. I mean, katne emunah, they barely had any faith. And the Gemara says, what was their katnus and emunah? They said, just like we came out on one side of the... We went straight through the water and came out. The Mitzrayim also go straight through and come out. And the Talmud of Yisrael Salanter of Itzla Petelberger explained in the Sefer Koch Ve'or, in the name of his great Rebbe, that the power of tshuva is something that is so irrational, is so impossible. Go and unmix the milk that you mixed into your coffee this morning. Go take out all the milk droplets from your coffee. Like that Maisa with the Chavetz Chaim about Lashon Hara. That Chavetz Chaim once said to somebody who said, how do I do tshuva for Lashon Hara? And the Chavetz Chaim said, you take a pillow and you bring it up to the right, the rooftop, and you go, you know, when the wind is blowing real nice and strong, and you take a knife and you cut it open, and you let the, you let the, you know, the feathers fly all over the place, and then you go and collect them all, and then you get tshuva for Lashon Hara. And he said, Rebbe, it's impossible. He said, right. And once it spreads, it spreads. But even when we say it's impossible to do tshuva, it doesn't mean it's impossible. It doesn't really mean it's impossible. We see this in many places where the Torah says, you do this, not possible. Me, Sha'amar, Echtav Eshuv, someone who says I'm going to sin and then I'll do tshuva afterwards, Ainos Nimlo, they don't give him permission to, they don't give him permission, but if he climbs through the window, then who's going to stop him? You know what I'm saying? They don't give permission for a lot of things. There's a lot of times where you don't get permission, but you, you do what you have to do. So tshuva is a hard thing to believe in because how could I undo what I did? I did it. And the person that I did it to is still alive. And they don't forgive me. And the Gemara says that I don't get forgiveness if the person doesn't forgive me. And even though I asked them three times and the halacha says you don't have to ask again, but it's still lo na'im and I don't feel like I'm getting forgiven. So tshuva is very hard to believe in. Rav Kook said there are three types of tshuva. There's tshuva that's called tshuvas, uh, tshuva tivis, natural tshuva. It's the tshuva that you feel after you ate too many donuts. It's you just feel, uh-oh, something bad happened. And you can feel it also when you do something, uh-oh, uh, you know, that you shouldn't have done to your soul either. You just feel this intense, it's an intense thing that children feel it, even before their parents taught them that what they're doing is wrong. That's why they lie when you ask them what they did, even though you never taught them that it was wrong yet. This is the first time they did it. So there's a tshuva tivis, and there's a tshuva emunis. There's a tshuva which is a tshuva which is based on faith. A tshuva which is based on the fact that the Torah makes a promise that there is an eventuality of tshuva. Hashem makes a promise that I will bring you back in tshuva. It's emunis. We believe in it because Hashem promised it just like Hashem promised everything else. Just like Hashem promised that He's not going to flood the world. He's not going to flood the world with the promise of the rainbow. He promised that He's not going to leave us forever and he'll one day bring us back in tshuva. So what is the advantage of tshuva? Each one has its own advantage, right? One, you don't have to learn. It just happens. It's natural. The other is something which is faith-based. Is there any advantage to the faith-based tshuva? So I saw in one of the commentaries to Orsa Tshuva from the Rosh Hashiva Emeritus of Atarat Kohanim, Rav Aviner, 
that Rav Avinar said that the advantage to Tshuva Amunis over Tshuva Tivis, the Tshuva Amunis has an advantage over Tshuva Tivis because, oh, Alex, Shalom Aleichem. So, Tshuva Tivis is all about what I feel. I feel. Hurts me. Hurts me. Rosalvich one time walked into one of the classrooms on the side. I can picture exactly where it was. NYU. I went to NYU. He walked into one of the classrooms and he saw some Starka Musarbacher sitting there in the base measure saying, oh, I'm such a sinner. I, I, I'm, I'm such a sinner. I do so many bad things. And he was trying to work himself into this way of the Bali Musar, which is to, it's called his spilus, where you try to, even if you don't believe it, you work yourself into this like, you know, sweat. And Rav Salvi, she just look, took one look at him and he said, Ich, ich, ich. Not yucky, yucky, yucky. Ich in Yiddish is I. I'm a sinner. I'm a... It's all, this is all about you. This has nothing to do with anything. It's, you think this is so holy? This is, this, you're on an ego trip that you're in pain because you're not the way that you wish you were. So if Avinar said that Tshuva Amunis has nothing to do with me. Hashem, you made a promise. For your honor, fulfill your promise. For your honor, bring back your children. Tshuva Amunis means this has nothing to do with me. I don't care if it hurts me. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't, it's been hurting me for years and I haven't been able to fix it. Tshuva Amunis, and Tzavim comes and Hashem says, I promise you I'm going to bring you back in Tshuva. When? That's up to you. That's up to you, but I promise you. And that type of Tshuva is a higher level of Tshuva. It's a higher level of Tshuva because it means that it's a Tshuva that is not about me. It's about looking towards Hashem and the fulfillment of His promise. Mikatne Amuna says Ritzel Petlerberger that is the description of the Jewish people. They could not believe that after being on the 50th level of Tuma Kemat with the Mitzrim and the Malachim were all screaming, Halu These guys worship idols. These guys worship idols. What's the difference between them? The Jews in the Mitzvah are exactly the same and the, and the Jews heard that over and over again. They read it in the newspapers over and over again. And they got it in the email blasts on Arab Shabbos every single weekend. You guys are bad. From the rabbis too, they got it. And the Mitzrim and the Mitzrim and the Jews looked the same on the outside of some other. And Hashem said, I promise you I'm going to help you to do tshuva. And the Jews were mikatne amuna. They believed in Hashem. Rabbi Yitzhak Petterberger says, katne amuna, there's two ways to look at that. One way is they had very little faith. They had 1% of 100% faith. Meaning they had only 1%, 99% was missing. The other way is mikatne emuna. There is something called perfect faith. And they had mikatne emuna. Mikatne emuna means just one tiny sliver of their faith was missing. You know what was missing? The impossible thing to believe that no matter what has happened to me up until this point, I'm able to, to make a turnaround. I'm able to do it. So it sounds like the finishing in there and it sounds like we're going to dive in mincha any minute. So Hashem should help us to believe in tshuva. We should do it gradually like the Pasuk says, two lishonas of shav. We should do it gradually. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't make the mistake of throwing out your talents. If you're a talented writer or an artist or a talented friend and you know how to pick people up, don't throw that out and get all serious on me and, and think that you're, there's nothing good from your past. There's so many good things from your past. Do tshuva slowly. That's the name.
Good job, good job.